Welcome to Move Conversations. This is your host, Venkat. In this episode, we talk to Viren Verma. Viren is a fellow IFTN, a veteran sugar trader, and currently managing director, sugar and commodity risk management, global strategic procurement at the Coca-Cola company, Atlanta, USA. My co-producer, Mrigank, and I know Viren very well uh, during the years he spent in Singapore. And for uh, the audiences who have been uh, listening and watching uh, Move Conversations trade stuff, Viren is no stranger to the show. His previous interview with us was very well received by our audiences. Welcome back to Move Conversation Trade Stuff, Viren. Thanks, Venkat. It's always a pleasure uh, to be with you guys. Thank you. Thank you. So let's uh, begin with the uh, observation that I have is that over a 18 month period, the sugar prices have nearly doubled. And uh, if you just look closer this year, uh, from April onwards, they have risen steeply from that, uh, you know, uh, for last whatever, uh, six months or so. So what's driving this? Yeah. So there are multiple factors uh, which we need to consider. Uh, and these factors are impacting the sugar space. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's important that we analyze, uh, uh, you know, what is driving this general price increase, which you've which we've seen over the last eighteen months. Now, uh, if we look at the past hundred and twenty years, there have been four commodity super cycles. The first one was when U.S. became an economic power. The last one was uh, when the industrialization in China, I and mean, there was a big drive, and that is going on. I believe that we are now on the cusp of a fifth commodity super cycle. Yeah. And this super cycle is predominantly driven by the net zero or the carbon neutral drive, which, okay. which we see and hear every day, uh, a lot of uh, you know, big countries or you know, developed nations like US, Europe, everywhere. You know, they've committed to become carbon neutral by 2050 which basically means that we are moving away from fossil fuel and we are basically going to electrify as much possible uh, the power generation and the, you know, the transportation and you know, what have you, anything which is dependent on fossil fuel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, if you look at the carbon emissions, 85% of the carbon emission in the world is basically due to fossil fuel. And of that 87%, 85 to 87%, Almost 43 to 44% is driven by uh, coal. About 30 odd percent comes from oil and then 20% from natural gas. Yeah. So, 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 that is, so, so that clearly is the main theme. Now, what does that mean? Basically, right. if you're going to move uh, from electrification, so the first thing is that we are moving away from fossil fuel driven cars to electrical cars. Yeah. Now, if we have to achieve a net zero by 2050, it means that over the next 10 years, we have to make 10 times more the electric cars than we had last year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the roadside charging stations to cater to these cars have to be 30 times more bigger. Yeah. Right. Uh, 
so now what is that going to happen is that now typically an electrical car uses 60 to 80 kilograms of copper which is almost mm -hmm. five to six times more than uh, a regular fossil fuel or a gasoline car right right so so if we have to if we have to you know uh, produce 10 times more electrical mm -hmm. cars imagine mm -hmm. the demand for copper that is going to happen mm -hmm. right so goldman mm -hmm. sachs came with a report that uh, between now and 2030, uh, you know, uh, we will need seven times more copper, nickel, cobalt, aluminium, and all the rare earth metals, right? right. And by 2030, we will mm -hmm. be deficit, the world will see a deficit of 7 million tons of copper. Just to put things in perspective, our current copper usage is about 23 million tons. So we're looking, we're talking of a 35% deficit just on copper okay yeah so so imagine that demand what it's going to drive you know the metals okay the second aspect is that uh, you know china also has committed to net uh, zero and their commitment mm -hmm. is they will be net zero by 2060 you know now for china to achieve that they will need an investment of half a trillion dollars every year for the next 40 years or 39 years to even come close to that. Yeah. Right. Now China produces world's 57% of world's aluminum. They produce almost 58 to 60% of world steel. And all of that is fossil fuel driven. So if okay. they have to now uh, you know go for electrifying the thing, imagine the kind of demand China will create. So typically in a super cycle, commodity super cycle, there's one or two commodity which mm -hmm. drive the entire commodity basket up. Okay. So in this case, it is going to be uh, copper, aluminum, and, and you know other rare uh, metals, and they will mm -hmm. drive the entire uh, you know commodity space uh, you know up. Okay, so so that's one right. factor. The other factor is the money supply. Yeah. Now to achieve this net zero, uh, the U.S. already committed the Joe Biden government has already committed $2 trillion of investment mm -hmm. over the next 10 years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the pandemic, the COVID, globally, there was a global stimulus of $12 trillion, which has mm -hmm. been doled out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, all this money mm -hmm. is going to find its way into commodities. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And why is that so? Mm -hmm. Because commodity is an asset class, right? So if you look at the asset class, there are three big asset class globally. The biggest is bonds, which is right. valued at about $120 trillion. Yeah. The second biggest are the equities and the stocks, which are valued at about $95 trillion. In, in comparison to these two asset classes, the commodity is just $20 trillion. So it's dwarfed compared to these two ones, right? Now, the bull market, uh, the bond markets have had a bull run for 40 years. The stock markets have had a bull run for about 11 years. But the commodity markets have been a bit bearish over the last seven to 10 years, right? Okay. Now, with all the factors which I've just told you, right. I think, and, and the money supply, clearly, you know, commodity is the next class where you will see a lot of investment coming up and, and, and you know, so, so that clearly is one of the reasons, and we're already seeing that. There's a lot of investment which has uh, gone into commodity. Right. Uh, what it also... And, and the other factor is that 
the investment in conventional fossil fuel mm-hmm. will dry up. Yeah. So not people are not going to invest in oil drilling and oil exploration, right? And even if that risk, people do that, it will come, it'll be viewed as riskier and it'll come at an extra cost. Yeah. Right. So there will be supply constraint on the conventional thing. And till we reach inflection point of mm-hmm. renewable energies or you know electrification, there will be a, a you know supply constraint. Yeah, and we're already seeing that in Europe and we'll talk about that uh, in a bit. So right. I think these are at a macro level, the right. factors which are driving not only, um, you know, all the commodities, metals, mm-hmm. but they are definitely impacting sugar because sugar again is dependent on oil and, and so okay. on and so forth. And then lastly, if you look at the f- fundamental factors, which is supply and demand, on mm-hmm. the supply side, we are seeing drive other conditions. Uh, in Brazil, and that's predominantly mm-hmm. shrinking on the super uh, the sugar supply. So for 21, 22 crop year, we're expecting a deficit of about four to five million tons. Okay. So fundamentally, that's supporting the prices. Uh, and then on the demand side, you know, most of this price hike, which you mentioned, uh, and it's during COVID, right? Now, as we, you know, economies open up and the infection rates are contained, demand is only going to go up. So if you put all these factors and analyze, we clearly mm-hmm. see that that is what is driving uh, the price increase in, in sugar. Right. So um, what about fluctuation in its currency, the real, right? Um, economics 101 will say that if real is weak, the Brazilian farmers should export to earn dollars. That would mean that uh, greater supply in the global markets and lower prices. So mm-hmm. what I see is that US dollar to real uh, was around 5.7 in April 21. Uh, by June, it was around 4.9. And now it is back at around 5.5. So what I wanted to understand is, is that reflected in the sugar price movements or uh, Brazilian sugar exports? So all things equal, uh, Brazilian red definitely impacts uh, the, the prices on New York 11 because most of the raw sugar or the Brazilian sugar trades on the intercontinental New York exchange number 11. Right. right. Uh, so, so yeah, clearly when the price from 5.6 or 7 moved to 4.9, that was reflected. Uh, okay. But all the factors which I've just explained to you, mm-hmm. they have a much larger impact. So despite the Brazilian rei, Moving from right. 4.9 back to 5.4 and 5.5, right. that has contributed little, but I think the prices are driven mainly by all the factors which I have just uh, mentioned to you. Demand cycle, uh, you know, demand macro, issues, yeah. macro super and, cycles and, yeah, and demand yeah. supply issues and uh, weather issues and so on and so forth. Absolutely, right? yeah. Uh, there's one more uh, factor related to sugarcane and Brazil, right? Sugarcane is also used uh, in Brazil to produce their biofuel, ethanol, right? And crude oil prices uh, went up from about $60 in April to over $80 in October uh, this year, 2021. So does that have an impact? Yes, that has a major impact. And that's also one of the main reasons why uh, we've seen sugar. So uh, you know, ethanol is 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 a biodiesel, is a biofuel, mm-hmm. uh, right? 
Um, and whenever we see the oil prices go up, mm-hmm. uh, you know, ethanol parity opens up and more and more sugarcane starts mm-hmm. getting diverted uh, to ethanol. And we've seen it a couple of years back. So in Brazil, the ethanol to sugar mix is usually, or say sugar to ethanol mix is about 45%. So all the sugar cane, 45% mm-hmm. is diverted into sugar and then the balance to ethanol. And a couple of years back, that switched. So okay. sugar from 45 came down to almost, um, you know, high 30s and ethanol went to, you know, 60s and there was like almost a six, seven million ton of sugar diversion. So that is critically important. Hmm. Now, you know, the, the thing which I just mentioned to you, I mean, China has already been on the path of uh, reducing the dependence on uh, fossil fuel. Right. From 70% of coal, they have now brought down the usage to about 50%, 52%. Yeah. And this gap has been substituted by gas or less or more cleaner fossil mm-hmm. fuels, right? So the demand from China has literally shot up, yeah. And then to add the add to that, what we've seen in um, in 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 Europe is mm-hmm. the the tremendous increase in the gas mm-hmm. prices, right? So from forty pence a term, the prices are now trading they're up by almost more than eight hundred percent, and that's mainly driven because there was low inventories, uh, you know, and and there was an issue with there were issues with Russia and that pipeline which uh, you know goes via uh, Ukraine, the North something pipeline. So all right. that have contributed, uh, um, you know, to, to the increase in gas prices and that has forced people to switch back to oil and that predominantly is driving um, the demand for oil. And then clearly when the economies start opening up as we've seen, uh, you know, the demand for oil also goes up. Uh, so the, so, I mean, in June, there was a prediction uh, that the oil would touch about $80 uh, dollars a barrel. And that time the oil was trading at about 60, uh, you know, early 70s. And that has come right. true. Uh, mm-hmm. There is expectation that the oil probably will touch $90 a barrel. So every time the oil moves up, the ethanol parity gets stronger and more and more sugarcane gets diverted uh, in, into ethanol. So that into definitely ethanol, will yeah. be very supportive of the prices to come. Right. Right. So, you know, India has also been an exporter in this market as a large producer. So I read uh, recently that India exported some 7 million tons of sugar in the season that ended in September 21, uh, which is much higher than in the past, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So two months back, there were talks about withdrawal of Indian export subsidies for sugar. Right. And I think they reduced it by like 30, 31%. So what's the update? Will will so there the, be a withdrawal of export subsidies for sugar? That's a great question, uh, Venkat. So when India exported 7 million tons, the market was trading, uh, the New York was trading at about 13, 14, 15 cents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the domestic prices of India were much higher because there's a minimum selling price, which the government sets, right? So clearly export was not viable unless the government gave subsidies. Now today the prices are trading close to 20 cents. Right. Yep. And the if you look at the domestic price in India, which is roughly at about 34 rupees a kg, and right. uh, the, the, the export equivalent 
is about 33, uh, mm-hmm. you know, thereabouts. So that's about roughly 20, 20 and a half uh, cents. Um, so to answer your question, I personally, I don't think there will be more subsidies given uh, for the next season. At the same time, India will still produce a 34 million ton equivalent of sugar. Of that right. 3 million equivalent tons will be diverted to ethanol because India has now become very serious on the ethanol program. So 3 million tons of sugar equivalent uh, will go into um, ethanol, uh, about 35 million tons of sugar. So will be there of which 27 is going to be consumed internally because in India's uh, domestic consumption has also jumped. Uh, this year, mm. we are seeing a jump of five, five to 6%, right? So India will have about roughly about 4 million tons to export, yeah? Uh, and uh, we are very certain that the Brazilian crop will be less because of all the factors, you know, dry weather, and there is a threat of La Nina, uh, which will, which is, which is, people are talking of uh, uh, December, January, November to January period being very dry, La Nina. So all that will add to less sugar from Brazil. So if the world will need sugar, India is the only origin which can plug that gap. Uh, And for that to happen, the prices will have to come closer to 21 cents for in order uh, for India to to, start exporting uh, the sugar without subsidies. In short, uh, India should export, but uh, a much lesser quantity, close to about 4 million tons. Uh, I don't think there'll be any subsidies given and the market has to come to a price level which will allow India to export that sugar. Right. So given the La Nina issues with Brazil, uh, if Indian uh, weather you know, is, is good, then uh, rainfall and everything is good, then quite likely India can step in to uh, you know, take care of the plug, Brazilian deficit. The gap, is is yeah. my understanding correct? Plug that gap? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So that leaves one more, you know, aspect of sugar pricing, beet sugar, right? So what's going on in the beet sugar? You know, typically so, like people like in India, yeah. we don't they or or in Asia, many parts of Asia and so on, don't think much about beet sugar, but I'm sure it has an influence on the overall global market. Yeah. So beet is predominantly concentrated in Europe. I mean, they produce about 17, 18 right. million tons of equivalent beet sugar. Mm-hmm. Uh, that number uh, was reduced uh, in the in the last crop because uh, because of again weather conditions and and whole host of other factors. Also, what we are seeing, uh, Venkat, is that uh, other than the macro factors which I have just explained, there mm-hmm. are other competing crops which mm-hmm. are competing for acreage, not mm-hmm. only in Europe but in Brazil and other places. So corn and soya bean have been one of them and and. So ethanol is not, so ethanol from sugar is not the only biofuel. You have palm oil, you have soya bean. And if you look at the prices of palm oil, they are all time high. They've rallied in Mm -hmm. the past few months. Soya bean is also 5% up in in the last few weeks. Um, You know, so, so yeah, so those crops are also competing and they will continue to compete in that space. Uh, So beet is going to be pretty much uh, a stable production in Europe, stable to maybe slightly lower. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's one factor. 
The other factor, which is also interesting and it is related is because of the gas prices going up, a lot of fertilizer plants, which use natural gas as, as, as right. the input, they have stopped in, in Europe, right? Or the fertilizer prices have gone through the roof. So farmers, especially in Europe, probably will end up not using any fertilizers, which will also impact the yield, final yields. Yeah. So that also probably, we, there's a possibility that the, the crop will be less. So competing crops, lesser yields, all of that will pretty much keep a very limited beet crop out of Europe. And right. Europe, as we've seen this year and, and this year before, uh, you know, earlier Europe used to be a player in the global sugar trade, but going forward, I don't think they'll be very marginal players or they're not really going to impact, uh, you know, much of the prices as far as the beet sugar is concerned. Right. So if I sort of string together some of the points that you said about 2122, so uh, you mentioned about the commodity super cycle and uh, its influence on all commodities, especially metals and so on, and uh, oil prices consequently, and consequently on uh, um, sugar and agri commodities. You talked about uh, competing plantation issues. You talked about uh, um, Brazilian, uh, you know, uh, crops and the yield for next year because of the weather conditions could be uh, less, right? And uh, you mentioned that uh, hopefully India can um, step up in that place. Beat may not be the, the thing to look up for. So that leaves some of the other uh, minor uh, players. What about um, Thailand, Pakistan, anybody I'm missing who can make a change to the market or market will continue to be strong, uh, tight, whichever way you want to look at it? I personally believe the market will continue to be uh, pretty much tight, at least for 2022 and possibly mm -hmm. for 23. Uh, so if you look at the global trade, uh, and, and we've spoken in our earlier discussions, so global trade is anywhere between 55 to 60 million tons, uh, of which 50% of that comes from Brazil. The other mm -hmm. two major origins, which, which export a lot of sugar, are Thailand and, and uh, Australia. Yeah, mm, right. Thailand exports. So a couple of years back, Thailand had a crop of 14 million and that drastically dropped to about 7 million. Uh, Thailand will have a better crop, but it'll probably be marginally better by let's say two, two and a half million tons, right? So that is not good enough to cover the gaps, which probably we may see because right. of, of what is happening in, in Brazil. So again, I said, as I said, India probably is the only origin. And Australia exports, I mean, produces, uh, uh, let's say, 4 million tons. So their export volume of about 2.5 to 3 million tons is not, uh, they're still very marginal players, right? And, and their crop is pretty much constant. We don't see a, a major swing on either sides. Uh, right. You know, so, so they will be, they, they will not impact as much. So it, again, boils down to India to, to plug the gap. Great, um, great insights on uh, what to expect uh, and a great insight on the 
you know, commodity super cycle and uh, which kind of um, took care of one of the other questions that I had was about like what to expect over the five years. But then I think you kind of addressed it in, uh, in a broad sense. Uh, anything that you want to uh, add as your closing thought? Sure. So, so just to summarize, uh, so I think 22, personally, I think sugar, as far as sugar is concerned, it'll be very bullish. Um, uh, 23, again, I mean, if, you know, in 22, we will see a lot of economies open up and hopefully they should be back to pre-COVID levels, which means mm -hmm. demand will up. So 23, again, will be, is expected to be, uh, uh, to be firm. I mean, we are not going to see the price levels of 13, 14 cents, at least for the next yeah. uh, two years. Uh, you know, the commodity super cycle, you know, you know, what it also does is uh, that it has a downstream effect on, on various other commodities. So for example, steel prices, if you see, have gone up by 60% over the last right. 12 months or so. Now, so if this capacity of, let's say, if you have to put up a sugar mill or a, a refinery, or if you have to increase mm -hmm. your capacities, or if you have to build uh, any other mill, you know, those costs- You need steel, you need up. copper, all of those things, right? So you will need, so, uh, so those things will support uh, among the other factors, uh, you know, the bullish price environment over the next two years. So I think the medium term to, uh, sorry, to short term to medium term, I think, uh, you know, prices should remain uh, fairly firm and bullish. The long term is very interesting, Venkat. Uh, so the very factors of electrification, which are providing support to the prices, as far as sugar is concerned, you know, when the the electrification or let's say the electrical cars reach a critical mass, what will happen is they will people will stop buying oil and fuel. Yeah. So the demand for oil will eventually, at some point in time will go down because people will start using uh, you know, electrical cars, which means that if oil is down, that means your ethanol parities will, be, will go negative. And countries like Brazil and India will start diverting more of their sugar cane to sugar. Yeah. And hence in the long term, because of the electrification and the drive to net zero, we may possibly see that the sugar prices will soften, you know, to what level we don't know because uh, it's too far-fetched or too, you know, far to say. Uh, right. How fast can we reach an inflection point as far as the electrification of a whole lot of things is concerned? It's difficult to say, but at least for the next four to five years, I believe prices will be strong, but then after that, we may see the prices tapering off, uh, uh, you know, as far as sugar is concerned. Great insights, Viren. Thanks a lot. That's wonderful. And I think uh, when we see another uh, significant uh, movement, uh, either side uh, will come back and talk to you. And I think we should uh, um, talk to you another day also at length about the commodity to super cycle. Uh, we wanted to understand the sugar rally better at this time, but uh, always wonderful talking to you. Thank you, very, Thank you much. very much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us in yet another episode of Move Conversations. Hope you enjoyed this episode.
please subscribe to the Move Conversations YouTube channel and press the bell icon to get notifications of new episodes. Thank you very much. Till I see you in the next episode. Thank you very much. Have a great day.